Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Uh, There is some inclement weather expected in the area a little bit later today. Most of you guys around Mississippi will be dealing with some form of this. They are dismissing schools early here in the Golden Triangle. So we've been dealing with some of that today. So I apologize for being a little bit late than I planned on getting this thing up, but uh, but it is what it is. We'll uh, we'll get through it together. Got a uh, book signing a little bit later today. Uh, just kind of popped up over the weekend. It's one of those things they tell me where to go and I go. But uh, we're going to have book signing today in Yapora, Mississippi. For those of you up here, come on back, hang around, Yapora, Mississippi, and uh, we'll do that. Uh, from four to six, let me give you the information here. Yeah, four to six at Dabs Family Pharmacy in Eupora on Veterans Boulevard. Again, that's today, Monday, December 16th. Now, gonna take Tuesday off. Wednesday, Wednesday, one to four, one to four at the lodge for those of you coming up for the basketball game. And then I'll be at the sip and shop deal at Maroon and Co. from five to seven. And then on Thursday from, I guess, 4 to 7, I think that's right. I'll double-check for you on Wednesday. But uh, I'll be with the Book Martin Cafe downtown. And then next Monday, Campus Book Mart. Pretty much all day. Pretty much all day. We'll see. We'll get all, we'll get all that worked out for you. But today, you pour a 4 to 6, Dabs Family Pharmacy. And then again, we got Starkville signings Wednesday, Thursday. If you are not able to get to a signing and you still want to get a personalized copy of Stark Villains, or if you just want a signed copy of Stark Villains, or you just want a copy of Stark Villains, makes no difference to me how you want it. You can have it how you want it. You can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and you can order that. Still plenty of time to get it for Christmas, but I would not delay. 
would not delay. You know how the, the mail gets a little bit later in the process. Uh, I'm getting a lot of messages though. People are saying, hey, Steve, what, you know, we got time to get it in Christmas. Here's what they're doing. They're having me sign books pretty much every day. Either they're bringing them to a signing or they're meeting me and I'm uh, signing books pretty much every day. So if you order today, it'll be shipped tomorrow. Order today, ship tomorrow. And some of you guys that are early risers, if you order early up, it'll go out the same day. So that's how that's working. So we want to make sure we're getting books out to everybody. Man, it's, I'll tell you, it's been great. It has been so great. Very, very happy with the results of the book and uh, very happy with the reviews. Sales are going great. We've got more people than ever carrying the book. And uh, I want to run that down for you real quick here, just because, I, and then we'll get into the uh, to what's going on Mississippi State-wise outside of the book signings. How about that? Uh, but I want to make sure you guys are, are well aware of what's going on, just because I think it's important. All right, so here we go real, real quickly. Uh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Bay St. Louis, Bay Books has the book. In the Mississippi Delta, you can go to Cleveland and see Miss Virginia Cotton Row Books. If you're in Columbus, Mississippi, Grapevine still has a few books. Flowood, Mississippi at College Corner. At Greenwood, you can find the book at Mississippi Gift Company and Turn Row Books. In Hattiesburg, Main Street Books has it. And, you know, has, uh, Pecan House has the books. In Jackson, Lemuria Books. Meridian, the Bulldog Shop, and Philadelphia Stribling Pharmacy, in Ridgeland, Barnes & Noble, and the College Corner location there. In Starkville, we've got Barnes & Noble, Bookmart & Cafe, Campus Bookmart, Liza Time, Maroon & Company, Occasions, and The Lodge. And in Tupelo, you can find it at Barnes & Noble. And there are other places. So that's a quick rundown of where you can get the book, but you can always find it at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Such great partners, man. I love going in there. Uh, been on the road a lot. Hadn't been able to be in there the last uh, week or so. Hoping to get in there this week before the, uh, the Christmas holiday. Love going. You will too. Two locations now to serve you. One in Starkville, one in Tupelo. Without doubt, the best place to have a hamburger. No doubt. Go by, find your own favorites. I am a pimentology add bacon guy, but I'm still big on the Lauren. I think when I go back in, I'm going to go with the Bryant. That, that was my first... Uh, foray into the wild side type burgers. You know, I was a bulldog guy for a long time. And if you just want that straight restaurant quality hamburger, you know, just, hey, just Steve, just give me the, the good stuff. You go with the bulldog. But if you want to be a little bit more adventurous, let me encourage you to get the mission, the pimentology. I'm going to get the Bryant next time I go in because I feel like I owe it to Bryant. Remind you, it's University in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into a couple things, some things that happened over the weekend. Team Mississippi wins the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game for the third consecutive year. How cool is that? And ironically, they, uh, they win it on an extra point deal. It's insane. So basically, it was, it was the 7th and ball game for Alabama, and uh, then they get up. 10 nothing, and uh, looks like they're going to have a chance to put the game away. Mississippi battles back. You get Jevin Banks, the, you know, blocks a field goal, and then Will Rogers, who had a bit of a leg injury, comes back, leads the team down, hits Trip Wilson on a dig route on a fourth and – I think it was fourth and three for the touchdown. We kicked the extra point. We tie the game, and uh, we get in overtime. Alabama misses a field goal. They could have won the game. We get into overtime. And then Will Rogers finds Janari Dean for yet another touchdown. We make the extra point. We go up 17-16. Then they score, and it's a 17-16 game. And, and stop if you've heard this before, but the extra points are not ever assumed. And Tyrese Hopkins from Starville High School leaps, blocks the extra point, and Mississippi wins. That, that's the synopsis of the game. The bigger issue is, I mean, I told you guys last week that I felt like Mississippi State was on the right kids. So uh, so here we go. Let me run down some numbers for you because I think you need to know these things. The leading tackler for Team Mississippi, Mississippi State commitment Emmanuel Forbes, with seven total tackles, five solos. The number two tackler for Team Mississippi, Mississippi State defensive back commitment Cameron Threat. Four total tackles, three solos. How about that? You get a little bit deeper in there, uh, in, in 
McKinley Jackson was was a disruptive force, and and he made some plays for other people. But uh, the defensive lineman that recorded the most tackles, Mississippi State commitment Armandus Cooley, with four tackles. Uh, the top uh, one of the top defensive stars was Jevin Banks, Mississippi State commitment from Olive Branch. Three tackles, had a sack, uh, and had that blocked extra that blocked field goal. And so you run these numbers down, you can kind of see what I'm saying. I mean, State clearly on the right kids. You get over offensively, Will Rogers. Uh, I think I got these numbers at the end of regulation. I think he had the one pass. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, he ends up 10 of 16 for 66 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. Janari Dean, 17 carries for 62 yards. That's also a Mississippi State commitment. And he had uh, a couple of catches. A couple of catches. Two catches, 11 yards, and a touchdown. Team Mississippi wins the game. Again. Now, McKinley Jackson is a monster. And I told you guys last week, you know, after watching him up close, and it's one of those things when you get him field level and you kind of watch how guys operate, and you can see this controlled aggression with him, and listen, he's not coming to Mississippi State. This guy's a great player, man. He is a great player. I know some people have suggested, well, you know, it's 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 funny how that happens. And I guess some of that's human nature. And I have tried to kind of compete against that most of my career. I'm not partial to guys in my backyard. And I'm not partial to guys that are just because they're coming to Mississippi State. I try to, to go straight up with you. And I'll tell you, McKinley Jackson is a monster. And he showed that Saturday. He is a long, wide-bodied, three-technique he is exactly what Ed Orgeron wants at a defensive tackle. And I think that's where he's going to end up, so that was you. Big-time player. Sadly, he's not coming to Mississippi State. And with State's success at defensive line and the fact that he's got a cousin, Dylan Lawrence, up here, thought we had a chance. We don't. Really haven't been much of a factor. Last year when Dylan Lawrence was the late uh, emerging prospect from Mississippi State, that was kind of some of the talk. It's, well, you know, Dylan's a good player in his own right, but he's going to help you with McKinley Jackson. Well, we've got Dylan Lawrence, and, and Coach Terrell Buckley thinks a lot of him. They think he is a freakish athlete. It's going to make some plays for Mississippi State. But it didn't really get us anywhere with McKinley Jackson. There were some varying opinions about that. It didn't work out the way that we'd hoped. But uh, McKinley Jackson can play. Jimmy Holiday is another guy – you know, I told you guys offensive line play was going to be a, a big issue, and it was. You know, Jimmy Holiday, 12 carries, just the 13 yards, and a long of 11. So that goes to show you how much trouble it was kind of generating some running lanes and getting him to push there. Team Mississippi didn't do a lot offensively. Just didn't do it. And a, lot, a lot of it is attributed to a lack of offensive line play. But Jimmy Holiday currently committed to TCU. Mississippi State, not really a factor there. State never really pursued him. But I, I think there is a real good possibility that he will not be signing with TCU. Florida State is offered recently. Ole Miss has kind of gotten in the game with him a little bit. We'll see how it all shakes loose. But um, it's a name to kind of remember, too. Trip Wilson out of Tupelo, you know, catches the uh, the game tying touchdown. He had a, he had originally committed to taking a preferred walk on offer at, at Ole Miss. I am told that is still under consideration. That is not a final decision. Of course, he had committed to Matt Luke and the previous staff, and with that in that staff in transition, he is uh, still keeping his options open and still in contact with Mississippi State. I won't be the least bit surprised to see him line up and uh, play in Maroon and White before it's all said and done. He was good in practice. One of the things I like about Trip Wilson is he is not scared to get hurt. He is not scared to risk his own skin to go low or go high to make a catch. And there are a lot of high school guys that have this aversion to contact and this aversion to getting dirty. That's not Trip Wilson. Maybe it's because he's a baseball player, but he doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. I really like that about him. And you're gonna sign, you're gonna have some guys come in. It's a preferred walk on. I would much rather have a guy like him. The number one that is from a Mississippi State family. This is a guy that's rode the maroon and white wave with us throughout his lifetime. And you can say, well, Steve, well, why would he go to Ole Miss? Well, it's, quite frankly, it's because Ole Miss out-recruited Mississippi State. They recruited him very hard, and State didn't until really Ole Miss got serious about him. So maybe we can kind of write that now and get him back. But again, it's a walk-on, but I'll tell you, he, he is not a typical walk-on. He's not. 
A lot of discussion today. I was on a Bill Bound show earlier today, and uh, everybody, of course, getting you know, getting ready for Wednesday, expecting State to uh, to sign the bulk of the class on Wednesday. At this point, any surprise is a negative surprise. Still a couple of things out there that we're hoping to go Mississippi State's way. Defensive back DeCamerion Richardson did not visit anywhere this weekend. His last visit was to Mississippi State. We feel pretty good about that one. I have already crystal balled him to Mississippi State. I expect that to transpire on Wednesday. Then there's Ja'Cory and Bennett from Hutchinson Community College. You know, he was a guy that uh, we brought in for the uh, Egg Bowl official visit. Good player. Needs some age in the secondary because you begin to think about with Cam Dancer going pro and Mari Smitherman aging out. You've got Tyler Williams, Martin Emerson, and Jarion Jones, but outside of that, Really, 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 really iffy. So you go take Ja'Cory and Bennett while some of these younger guys develop, then we'll see how things go. Not to mention Bennett can play around in the secondary. You know, he can play nickel. Your Bob Shoup is kind of a mad scientist when it comes to that nickel safety position. Bennett could be the nickel. We'll see. I think we all feel pretty good about Marcus Murphy being one of the starting safeties next year. But uh, So Bennett took an official visit to Maryland. This weekend, I just can't see him picking Maryland over Mississippi State. Now that Mike Loxley and that staff up there, of course, recruited him when he was when they were at Alabama. So he is that level of player. He's a guy that got some looks from Alabama out of high school, but uh, you know, a good opportunity. So we could see State add Richardson and Bennett on Wednesday to what we already have. Now, yesterday, former Mississippi State commitment Sebastian Dolcine committed to Florida Atlantic. And then so immediately we get some people that start lighting up social media saying, how did we lose a kid to Florida Atlantic? Okay, we did not lose a kid to Florida Atlantic. The kid that chose to go to Florida Atlantic lost Mississippi State. This is something that we have. If you if you are not a member of jeanspage.com, this is another reason why you should be. Paul Jones and I have been saying for weeks that there would be an adjustment in the class, and we did not think Sebastian Dulcine would be a part of the Mississippi State class. When Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead brought in their December projected signees a couple weekends ago, Dulcine wasn't with that group. Malik Heath was. Jordan Davis was. Ladidra Griffin was. Emmanuel Forbes was. And so Dulcine wasn't. And that should really been a hint and a half for you. We have already been kind of you know, basically suggesting he wouldn't be a part of the class and they don't bring him in. And that should have been more than enough evidence for you to realize that he was going elsewhere. And so to avoid that anxiety in your life, you need to be a member of Gene's page so you can kind of keep up what Paul and I are saying uh, when it comes to recruiting. That way you don't be, you're not like Joe Fan on one of these Facebook groups and all of a sudden, what, what happened? We lost a kid to Florida Atlantic? And then you don't understand but rather than being one of those folks that's kind of reacting to the news, you would be the person anticipating the news because we have been projecting this throughout, you know, the last couple of weeks. So not a surprise in the least. Now, there will be at least one other adjustment to the commitment list. You can do your own math there. But there's one guy that's been, quote, committed, Dr. Evil quotes, committed, that didn't come in that weekend either. And so he'll end up going somewhere else. And uh, might even be an HBCU or people are going to be like, what? We lost a kid to Jackson State. No, we didn't. The kid lost Mississippi State. And so I just encourage you to, to use a little discretion and a little common sense in these things because there's always this hysteria and there are always these people that are for some reason trying to find a way to blame Mississippi State. It's all anything that happens. It's, it's not their own lack of, of information. That is the issue. It's always something that somebody at Mississippi State did wrong. You know, when we move on from kids, we do our best to do it in a way that uh, saves them some dignity and gives them the opportunity to find something else. You know, you remember a couple years ago, several years ago now, when Chase and Virgil was a commitment to Mississippi State. Chase and Virgil, and God bless the kid, man. Chase and Virgil came to Big Dog Camp, and he did not have a good day. And and not by me saying that and characterizing it as not a good day, it's being kind. He, guys, he was awful. 
He really, really, really had an awful day. And so we knew then, we knew in late July, before fall camp began, that, that he was not going to be able to be able to handle, he was too small to handle the running component of our offense, and he didn't have the arm strength to really rifle it down the field. And so some of the discussion was, you know, maybe he'll be an athlete and be open to a position change. Well, he wasn't open to a position change. So then we go out to see him play, and again, we find that it's a, it's a dink and dunk type deal. You know, they're just kind of spreading the ball around. And so you see those numbers and statistics, and, you, and people, our fans are like, man, this kid's lighting it up. He's running their scheme, but he just did not have the skill set to run the Dan Mullen offense. Not saying that he wasn't a college quarterback, not saying that he wasn't talented in his own right, but he was not a good fit for us. And so we lollygagged around. We didn't tell the kid. And then a week before he's set to, you know, to graduate early from high school and enroll, then all of a sudden we tell him. And, and that was not handled properly. And Mississippi State was criticized for that, and rightfully so. We knew back in July, and what we, what we knew in July was then confirmed on the fall evaluation. And we did not handle it properly. So if you wanted to blame Mississippi State for that, you're certainly in your right to do so. But how Mississippi State has handled some of these things this year, they have handled it very gracefully. And there are a lot of things you don't put out there for public consumption because you don't want the, the young man to look bad in the process. There are some times that guys, quote, decommit, and it's really a way for uh, Mississippi State for allow them to save face. You, what do you think Jim Warhead's going to come out and say, hey, we dropped that kid? But there are times that Paul Jones and I will both kind of learn independently from our sources that state and a prospect may be going in different directions. And sometimes you talk to the high school coach or the junior college coach and you find out. And there are a lot of questions you can ask and say, hey, when's the last time you talked to anybody in Mississippi State? Who do you talk to up there? How often do you hear from them? You know, if Mississippi State's recruiting you, you're going to hear from Joe Moorhead and or your recruiting coach every week, which is how it works. Oh, well, I hadn't talked to anybody in about three weeks. Well, it might be time to look for another school. But that's usually not how it happens. State just doesn't stop riding the kid. They'll go ahead and tell somebody and say, hey, listen, we're going to go in a different direction, and here's why. And so there's going to be – there's already been the Sebastian Dolcin adjustment. There will be another one. So go ahead and be prepared for it. On Wednesday, people are going to be on these Facebook groups, and I love you guys, but you're going to be saying, Steve, what's going on? Why? What's going on with this kid? We're going to sign him? What's what's happened? And it's not it's not anything negative. Sometimes things just don't work out, and that's the way you have to look at it. The good news is, is that none of our commitments snuck off last weekend to take a visit without our knowledge. Tyrus Wheat linebacker from Kapaya Lincoln Community College there in Western Mississippi, did take a visit to Baylor, but he did inform the staff that he was going. wasn't a big surprise that he went. He's taken official visits to Kentucky and a couple other places, and so we do expect him to go ahead and sign with Mississippi State on Wednesday. But there, there is, you know, listen, there's always a little bit of trepidation when you've got a guy that takes visits late. I think this is a situation, too, where he wasn't highly recruited out of high school and so he had an opportunity to go out and go take some trips and be romance a little bit. He took it. But he knows the opportunity he has here at Mississippi State. When he was uh, here officially as a visitor, Willie Gay got with him and kind of explained how they how Willie played. And so with so many linebackers moving on, Leo Lewis, Tim Washington, others, Shamar Kilby Lane, there's going to be some opportunities, Leo Lewis, for Tyrus Week to play and then next year be a starter. You're going to have two seniors in Tyrus Week and come in next year, be a rotation guy, and then be the starter in 2021. In one of the greatest football leagues in all of the game, the SEC West. But he will be here. The, we expect him to sign on Wednesday and then be able to take part in bowl practices. And it's going to be several of those guys that can do that. If you are a December graduate, guys like Will Rogers and Jaquavius Marks and uh, if Malik Heath can do it, if Tyrus Weed can do it, those guys, if they can get their degree, their associate's degree, their, uh, from junior college, they will be able to come. And there's going to be a couple of guys. One guy I know for sure, I'm not going to get into the name at this point, there's one guy that will take an intercession course between now and the end of the year so that he can roll in January. 
that's part of the deal too. There's always you know, some, some little housekeeping matters that have to be taken care of here at the end of the semester for these early graduate guys. But as it stands now, Mississippi State should go into Wednesday, sign all of the current commitments minus one. I told you there'll be an adjustment. And then hopefully add two. Hopefully add the Camryana Richardson and hopefully add Ja'Cory and Bennett. Now, I have also heard that there may be another wide receiver that gets added to the class. And as we get into Wednesday, maybe we can talk more about that. But that's going to be something we kind of wait and see what happens, how things develop. But uh, I, I have heard mentioned that there may be another older receiver that gets added to the class. We currently have four wide receiver commitments. Four. We all understand that that personnel group uh, has been a, a source of consternation for some time. So you address it by throwing numbers at it. You allot more grants for it, and you, you bring some guys in that are ready to go. And you forget, last year we redshirted Quentin Torber and Keziah Pruitt. So you bring those two guys back. You add four new signees in. And that's six people that weren't part of the uh, wide receiver rotation in 2019. So it's essentially six new players that go to the active roster that you expect to come in and be able to make some type of contribution. A couple of those high school guys could redshirt. One of those guys, Jaden Wiley, was the leading receiver for Team Mississippi this past Saturday in a Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. Led all Mississippi players in four catches. Like him in a slot. But we've, we've discussed wide receiver recruiting and wide receiver play ad nauseum. And so now you're going to have four new signees to go with two redshirt guys, six guys, that kind of some you know half a dozen reinforcements that kind of enter the fray. Because I approved a little bit banged up last year. Quentin Torbert is kind of getting up to SEC speed. So you, you feel like, you know, with those kind of numbers being allocated for the position that you've got, somebody has got to step up. You've got to hit on something, right? So that's where we are. And then we'll see what happens to Rufus Harvey. I know he's got he's a lot like Dylan Lawrence was last year. And we were already talking to Dylan Lawrence down the stretch. And they said, okay, well, they're going to wait out the process and kind of see what the traffic looks like in February. And I think Rufus Harvey is of that same variety. And we'll see what happens. Rufus Harvey, of course, is Starville High School. Did not participate in Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game because he was taking the ACT, which is exactly what he needs to do. Take the steps necessary to ensure that you're going to be able to qualify. So that's where that is. And so I'm excited about the week. I'm ready to put this class to bed. I'm not a big fan of the early signing period, to be honest with you, but this is a situation where I think it kind of benefits Mississippi State. You're going to get the bulk of the class done in December, and then you can kind of focus in on those guys for February and the month of January. One of those guys, Edron Cooper, linebacker out of Covington, Louisiana, he's a guy that I think we're going to see his offer list skyrocket. I really do. I think there's a chance that he'll pick up half a dozen more Power 5 offers. Of course, he was committed to Oklahoma. He's got an offer from LSU. They're kind of slow playing him a little bit. Mississippi State among the first offers for him. You know, so We'll see how things kind of progress for him, but I think that there's going to be an increased level of competition for him once we get through December. It's not going to be as simple as, hey, we're holding off LSU or Oklahoma. I think there's going to be a lot more options for him to choose from, and I think that is one of the byproducts of waiting. There are some people out there because of the fact that uh, some schools will miss on some prospects and they'll still have needs that you're going to see some guys that may be or mid-level power five guys that get major power five offers late because you need numbers. You need numbers. I think Cooper's one of those guys that'll benefit from that. Robert Scott out of uh, Conway, Arkansas, currently committed to Ole Miss Arkansas has really made him a priority since hiring Sam Pittman. Mississippi State's still on him. Uh, we'll see what happens there. You know, basically, you know, State's down to uh, you know, seeing what happens in December and then kind of sifting through some options at offensive line in January. Marcus Henderson out of MUS is the guy that's still uh, considering some things. Ray Curry is a guy that uh, was committed to Missouri that is still considering some things. Jaywin St. John's, another guy committed to Missouri, formerly committed to Missouri, that is going to forego the early signing period. And so you've probably got six or seven offensive line prospects out there that are going to forego the December signing period. And so 
you got to feel like you can get one of those guys. Khalil Benson's a guy out of South Haven that was picking between State and Ole Miss and picked Ole Miss, and then it appears at this point that they have moved on from him. And so certainly State could probably go ahead and get him right now if they wanted a quick kill. But with so many options out there, maybe you simply take your time right here. Maybe you don't take a guy just to take a guy. Maybe you just kind of bring those guys in and, and see what happens. Maybe you can get Robert Scott. Maybe you could get Marcus Henderson. We'll just kind of see how things progress and develop. But I think that's going to be a big bulk of our conversations when it comes to recruiting. In January, it's going to be offensive line play. We're going to have to go out and get a couple of guys. You feel pretty good about Calvin McMillian and Grant Jackson, both of those guys, developmental guys. They're big, strong, physical guys. Just got to learn some technique. You know, and, and they'll benefit from college coaching, and that is not a slight to their high school coaching because most of those guys in high school just kind of get by on being bigger and stronger than people. So it's it's really on them. They're not the technicians that, that, that they will be after a couple of years of college coaching, and that's what happens. All of a sudden you got to play against players that are bigger, faster, stronger, or as big and fast and strong as you are, so that's when you have to rely more on your technique. It's easy to be lazy and out-athlete people when you're 6'6", six, six, 300, blocking somebody that's uh, – that, you know, that's six foot tall and 250. You know, it's just, it's a different deal. And so they haven't had to learn those skills. They'll learn them in college. And so uh, I like the raw materials of those couple of guys, but we need another offensive lineman. We absolutely do. And that's one thing, again, that I read these comments sometimes, and a lot of these are misguided, and people say, well, you know, why would we drop this kid and why would we move on from this kid? There's a lot of things that you're not privy to. There's a lot of information that's not always made public. And you know, sometimes some guys aren't going to qualify. Some And listen, with 25 spots, it's not like it was 10 years ago. Used to you could sign and place a handful of guys as long as you only had 25 new scholarship guys come to beginning of fall camp. Well, now your non-qualifiers count as part of your 25. And so you don't just go throw a bunch of scholarships out there and say, oh, we'll sign them all and hope for the best. It's not like that anymore. The, leg- the legislation kind of have prohibits the big signing class where you have a ton of sign and place guys in there. And so that's a factor too. A lot of people say, well, let's go ahead and sign him. And if he doesn't make it, it's no big deal. What is the big deal now? Because he's eaten up one of your initial qualifier, your initial uh, grants. A lot has changed. A lot has changed to, uh, to prevent oversigning. Because we've had some situations in the past, not at Mississippi State, thankfully, but we've had some situations in the past where – you sign some guys and you think they're not going to make it. Well, then they do, and you don't have a scholarship for them. They have fulfilled their obligation academically, and they've signed a national letter of intent, and then you don't have a grant for them, and that's unfortunate. That happened at LSU. It's happened a few other different places. And so the NCAA is taking steps to curtail that because the last thing you want is a guy that's done his part is then kind of shut out of the recruiting process through no fault of his own. So that's why those 25 initial counters include your projected non-qualifiers. And they also don't want people signing, you know, chasing rankings, that sort of stuff. All that stuff is so artificial. Anyway, what I mean by that is, you know, you go sign 35 kids just to move up in the rankings. And I think what a lot of coaches don't realize, if you go back and look, you know, some of these classes that have been artificially ranked because of the fact that they were so packed with with non-qualifiers, that, that paints a false narrative to your fan base. All of a sudden, they say, okay, well, listen, hey, we signed the number five recruiting class in the country last year. Why didn't you win this year? Why didn't you win the next year? So all of a sudden, there is this uh, false perception about how ta- talented your roster is because most of your fans are not going to do their own due diligence and dig through there and see the, that, you know what, many of these guys we signed didn't make it to class. They're, all they see is, you know what, we had this big recruiting class, and so if it's not an issue of talent, it's an issue of coaching. And there, there's some folks up the road, they always talk about how talented they are, uh, and sometimes they are, but more times than not, they're just kind of the same talent as everybody else. But the perception is they have all this talent, and so then when they turn in a 5-7, and 4-8 and eight type year, you, you go, you're going to go ahead and get fired a little more quickly. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmarts, uh, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. It is as simple as that. Mom, let me speak to you on behalf of your family. Everybody wants the new maroon and white clothing. Everybody wants the Egg Bowl Championship shirt. Everybody wants the Music City Bowl shirt. Everybody wants that new maroon and white fleece. 
we're all going to wear it. It's not going to go to waste. Go ahead and hit the order button. You can find that at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. And, and free cash is always nice this time of year. Anytime we can save you some money, we want to. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll save you shipping on all orders over $50. And you order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So we've talked recruiting. We've talked Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. Let's talk a little bit about what happened over the weekend with the men's basketball team. As you guys are aware, guys and gals, that the Mississippi State men's basketball went to the Prudential Center in New Jersey and uh, took on Kansas State in the, uh, I guess, the Never Forget Classic in the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey. Had the early morning tip, and uh, the Bulldogs did not play exceptionally well in the early part of the ball game. We were down by as much as 25 to 15, and we really struggled to shoot the basketball. Found a little run late, tied it at the half, felt like we were going to be okay, and then we never really could get over the hump until very late in the ballgame. I think we took our last, the, the, when we finally took the lead for good, it was the first time since we were up like 11-9 or something like that. But just running some numbers here for you, because this is what I think is really, really important. This is where I think the game changed. In the first half, Kansas State shot the basketball 38%, 8 of 21. In the second half, they were 6 of 22 for 27%. In the first half, they were 6 of 11 from three-point line. In the second half, 0 for 7. So we did a much better job on the perimeter, kind of sh- kind of closing out on those shooters and I really thought we needed a lift. I, we were actually at a book signing at uh, College Corner in, uh, in Ridgeland. And uh, they had the game on, so we were able to kind of visit with some of you Mississippi State fans. You know, we were signing books and kind of visiting and enjoying the basketball game together. And it seemed like we just needed a lift. We needed something big to happen. And we got it with the big dunk. Big dunk from uh, Iverson Molinar. And you guys have seen that everywhere now. Uh, from that point on, if the numbers are correct, I want to say State outscored them maybe 16-6. to six. I think that's right. But we needed a lift, and we got it. And uh, it was definitely one of those in-your-face, put-a-guy-on-a-poster type deals. And it just simply felt like that was the moment. That was the Mississippi State moment. They kind of woke us up because it did seem on offense we were kind of sleepwalking a little bit. So let's run through the numbers here real quick. Not a great night for uh, Reggie Perry from the floor, just 2 of 14 and just 7 points. 0 for 3 from 3-point line, 3 from 4 from the line, from free throw line, and uh, pulls down 6 rebounds and 4 fouls. Not a good night for him. Just It wasn't. You won the ball game despite that. And there are going to be some games like that when your your primary scorers are not going to be on. And that was the case. Reggie Perry, seven points. Tyson Carter gets going in the second half and has 14. But, uh, again, not a great shooting night for Tyson. Three for 13 from the floor, one from seven from three. Seven of ten from the line, though. Pulled down three rebounds. Uh, really a good deal. Really a good deal. And then uh, gets going late, makes some points for us, helps pull, pull the game away. But the hero of the game, I thought, and maybe I'm mistaken, but I don't think so, was Abdul Adu. Six of seven from the floor, nine rebounds, 13 total points. Really made some things happen. And, and, and the thing that I thought, too, about I thought Abdul's spacing on the floor. You know, it's like when they would double-team Reggie, Abdul would would move to the basketball, and he got a couple of cheap pieces because of the fact I don't think people expect that from him. I think they think he is simply a rebounder and kind of a shot blocker, kind of a shot defender type thing. He's just in there for defensive rebounding purposes. But he made some things happen, and there were a couple times we lobbed the ball down to him in the post, and he backed some guys down and then shot the ball over him and made it. One of his better games in the uniform and certainly his best game of the season. D.J. Stewart gets his first career start. 
fun. He, he brings a different level of energy. And that's not to be negative about anybody else, but I thought that you know, I think when he, when we go with his three guard lineup, DJ is a guy that is a freak. Three of six from the floor, four for four from the line. Thank you, sir. Just a one rebound. Did get into some foul trouble, but had ten points, ten points and a couple steals. Iverson Molinar didn't start, but gave good minutes off the bench. Four of seven from the floor. Eight points, just picked up a couple fouls, didn't didn't record a rebound, uh, but out there playing pretty good defensively as well. And so we had some foul trouble, and it really felt like that the uh, about halfway through the second half that there was a real inequity in the foul shooting. Late in the ball game, State makes their free throws, puts the game away. Yeah, State uh, State. It was one of those things too. We get up, I guess, in the second half late in the ball game by as many as six, but it never felt like we were totally in control of that ball game. There were a lot of people I know that thought this was kind of a, a test game for Mississippi State. I think we passed. I don't know that we passed with flying colors. We're seven and two. They're six and four. I don't know that they're a great power five team, but they were a team that really gave us some trouble early on on the defensive end. And once we turned it up defensively, then all of a sudden the offense began to kind of pick up. And so – the next ball game will be this Wednesday night. Radford comes in. That should be the last game that Mississippi State plays without Nick Witherspoon. He will be reinstated following that ball game and able to return against New Mexico State in Jackson December 22nd. That's Sunday. And so if you're in the Jackson metro area, please go out, support the Bulldogs. I think the fact that Nick Witherspoon's be taking the floor pretty close to his hometown, there should, there should be a nice ovation there for him. We are a forgiving people at Mississippi State. I don't believe that these young men that are involved in this Tudor Gate 10, I, I, you know, they, they've got a legacy left to lead. leave. Pardon me. And uh, I, I think Nick Weatherspoon will be a very big part of things. I think we're going to be a much better team offensively. And you say, well, how could we be better defensively? You're about to bring your best on-ball defender back into the active roster. So I expect – Mississippi State to be a better basketball team with Nick Weatherspoon on the floor. And I think the fact that Iverson Molinar and DJ Stewart have played so many minutes in his absence, that is going to be so much better when we do have some foul trouble or if we do have an injury. That's one thing with Nick, too. You know, he's had some ball games where he's had to leave because he plays at such a uh, – with a high level of energy. You know, he goes down in a hump and he's always trying to block shots. There's been a couple times where, uh, you know, he's had to be helped from the floor only to come back the next ball game and be okay. But, you know, he is a guy that you, – you, I wouldn't say that he's injury prone, but he is a guy that plays with a high level of energy. And there sometimes in ball games he gets a little banged up. And so I think the silver lining in this whole deal is we have kind of learned to play and win games without Nick Weatherspoon. And now you add him back into the mix, everything is affected in a positive direction. Everything is affected positively. Really, really, really excited about Nick getting back. And then we'll have some SEC basketball to play here very, very soon. We'll have some great basketball to play right here in Humphrey Coliseum, and I hope that uh, you will turn out and be a part of that. Hopefully we'll have a decent crowd on Wednesday. The students are gone. And uh, students, you know that I love you. I've got two of my own among your number. They love to come out. They're, they're part of the uh, you know, the student section in Humphrey Coliseum, and, and uh, it's been a great experience. But again, students, I'm gonna once we get through Christmas break, I'm gonna encourage you rest up, rest your voices, but we're gonna need you big time in SEC play. We're gonna need Humphrey Coliseum to be like what you guys have seen in YouTube videos. And a lot of that is when the students, you know, the students set the tone for everybody else. Fair or unfair, that is the reality of it. We have some folks that uh they come to the game to watch the game, but many of our students are part of the game. And so they use some positive peer pressure uh, to get some of our folks off their hands and on their feet. And so, students, I'm appealing to you. You, you have made Humphrey Coliseum a very difficult place to play for opponents. I'm going to ask you to dig a little bit deeper this year. 
Our women, not quite as dominant as they have been. Still a very good team. I still think their best basketball is in front of them. They get a young team that's still kind of learning to play on the college level. But we're going to need you to be a little bit louder, a little more boisterous for them. The men, I think I think the men are going to be a better team than they were last year. I think we're already a really good team, and I think Nick Witherspoon can make us a great team. And so we're not going to sneak up on a lot of people. We're going to have people coming to Humphrey Coliseum looking to give us their best effort. Nobody's just going to show up and go through it. And so we're going to need the hump to be ferocious. You know, somebody shared recently, I guess it was MSU history, really love those guys. I think they shared the video of uh, when Rick Stansberry, and those, I guess it was in 04 when we beat Old Miss. That's the choke game when him and Carl Hess got into it. And, and everybody's going crazy about how wild it was in Humphrey Coliseum. You know, that's what that's what my oldest son grew up with when coming to games and, and you could barely get tickets. And then when you did, you were up in, the, up in the, the rafters and you still felt like that you were right there, a part of it all. You felt like Timmy Bowers needed your voice to help him make that last defensive play or jump in a passing lane. You felt like you were part of it. You felt like Derek Zimmerman needed you when he was uh, making that last break to make that winning layup against Ole Miss. I mean, that's how you felt. You felt like you were a part of it, and you students are a part of it. And so uh, we're on the way back, and that's that's how I feel. And I've said all year this is a very entertaining team to watch. So there are times, you know, when you play a lot of half-court sets and you beat the ball on the ground and you shoot, you know, with one second on the shot clock and then you play defense and, it's not always entertaining basketball. But you know what? I've always found that winning basketball is a lot of fun to watch. And we're winning. And with these electrifying players, guys like Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard, they're fun to watch. DJ Stewart's fun to watch. Nick Weatherspoon's fun to watch. And uh, they want to get you on your feet. So let's oblige them. Because I think this could be a very special semester. I really do. I think it would be a great semester of basketball. Really do. So here's where we are now. So we'll be back on Wednesday. I want to kind of prepare you guys for this. So as soon as we get done with the signing class, that's when I'm going to record. So if that's at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock or whenever, as soon as the final signature is in, we'll go ahead and have our, have our, uh, our show. Inevitably, there's always somebody where there is a delay. There's always somebody over there doing a ceremony at the school and his mom can't be there at 1 o'clock. You know, there's always something. If there is one of those, we're going to record anyway. I'll, I'll work sources and find out what's going on, and we'll have the latest on it. But we'll go ahead and break down the class, kind of look ahead and, and, and what we need to, uh, what needs we still have to fill once we get into February. So that'll be Wednesday. As soon as it's all final, give or take one guy that has some, you know, late decision or whatever. You know, we're going to go ahead and get that done. You know, Benjamin Key is a guy that uh, out there in uh, East L.A. <laughs> and then moving to Australia, back home to Australia, I have no idea what time he'll fax his national letter of intent in. But we have no doubt about where he's going. And so at least we shouldn't. We feel really good about that. So Wednesday we'll go through that, and then I'll be signing books the rest of the day. Do it again at the Lodge, 1 to 4, and then uh, – my uh, bookmark, our Marina Company, five to seven. So come on out and say hello. And then Friday, we'll be back. We'll probably go early. Probably get it out there for you early because I'm going to be on the road this weekend going to see some friends and family uh, for the holiday. So we'll try to go ahead and get that done for you on Friday and then be back in our regular schedule for next week. So that's kind of how things are going to break loose for you. Uh, excited about Wednesday. I will be honest with you, I don't have that pit in my stomach feeling that I normally do, and I'm not quite sure how to interpret that. You know, Paul Jones and I have talked to all of the signees within the last 10 days, uh, many of them multiple times, because, you know, we saw them after their official visit, talked to them then, then we talked to them uh, during Mississippi Alabama All-Star Week, and we talked to some since the game and so at this point, there does not appear to be any snakes hiding in the reeds. But you guys that have been around a few 24 hours, you know that the last 48 hours in the signing day are crazy. It's crazy. And what Ole Miss is trying to do is trying to get guys to prolong the process. They're just saying, hey, listen, we love you. We haven't had a chance to sit down with you and your family. 
if Mississippi State really wants you, they'll wait for you and take you in February. You're only talking about six more weeks. You know, Mississippi State is hoping, so you know what, I've, I've seen and heard enough. I don't need to go through that. And so at this point, I don't expect anybody to prolong the process, but I'm not surprised with anything. If it happens, it happens. You know, last year, Mississippi State had some success and, and had some failures when that happened. You know, a couple of years ago, Fabian Lovett elected not to sign in December, waited a thing out. Brian Baker, Joe Moorhead got him to sign a day table. He signed in February. Signed Jalen Reed in February. You know, so that worked out well. Last year was a little different deal. Nathan Pickering elected not to sign in December, and everybody panicked. Paul Jones and I both felt good about him staying on with us, and he did. But D.J. James didn't. And Greg Brooks flips to Arkansas. And goodness, Greg, don't you regret that now? Goodness. It's a lot of that that goes on sometimes. You know, people get in other people's ears. They don't think it through. They don't think it through. And here's the thing that I that I get a little tired of. I always say, well, you know, the mom or the dad, they really want him to go to Mississippi State. Listen, if they really wanted him to go to Mississippi State, he'd be at Mississippi State. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. That's not how it works. It's like, I guess that's supposed to appease us and make us feel a little bit better. Well, you know, the kid really wanted to go to Mississippi State, but, uh, you know, his mom made him go to Ole Miss, you know. And I'm not saying some of that stuff doesn't happen, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think you can trust that kid. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. A kid like that, and a, a, you know, I, I just think there would be a character flaw there. It's just my own opinion, and I'm entitled to it. But I'm not expecting any drama Wednesday. I might feel differently Wednesday morning. You know, I remember a couple years ago, James Williams uh, told us the week before signing day that he was going to go ahead and sign on with Mississippi State. And then he signed with Ole Miss that morning. And so it's one of the very first NLIs that came across that morning from Ole Miss was James Williams signing with them. Now, James Williams is not signing with Ole Miss this go around. Matter of fact, Ole Miss didn't even recruit him this, this, this time through. And so it's one of those things you look at and you say, okay, there's been some other situations where some guys have kind of been pawns in a public relations game. And he was one of them. And so hopefully – Things will go well on Wednesday. Again, I'm optimistic today. You know, Malik Heath is uh, is the guy that likes to keep people guessing. You know, I know South Carolina tried to get him in this past weekend. You know, I don't I don't think he went. I feel I feel good about where things stand today. But Malik Heath is a needful player for Mississippi State. We need him to come in and do a good job. So, again, today I feel okay. I feel great to be honest with you. I mean, but I've also learned not to ever take anything for granted in the state of Mississippi. Ever. You remember a few years ago, Ole Miss worked behind the scenes relentlessly trying to get just anybody to flip, and they, they did they did flip. They did flip a guy. No doubt about it. They did. Didn't get him much, but T. Shepard went up there and uh, eventually left the program. And uh, I wish we knew the full truth behind all that. I really do. So because of the fact I'm old enough to remember the Cordell Giles flip, the orchestrated flip of a guy that they never recruited again, and T. Shepard, a guy that uh, you know really was kind of mishandled. I, I don't, I don't ever put anything in the win column until it's officially there. But I can feel as good as you can feel two days before it all goes down. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I'm going to be back on Wednesday morning as soon as it's all done, as soon as the the dust is settled, as soon as it's all finished and over with. We'll get together and we'll talk about what all's happened. And uh, we'll look forward to doing that. Hopefully it's a triumphant day for Mississippi State. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.